Welcome to the Haunted Log Old Time Radio Midnight Theater Presents. The Fantastic Four. This radio program was based off the comics by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. It was a short-lived series from 1975, but only lasted 12 issues. And it stars Bill Murray as the Human Torch, Jim Pappas as Ben Grimm, Cynthia Adler as Susan Storm, and Bob Maxwell as Reed Richards. And narrated by Stan the Man Lee. And what you'll notice about this season, we're going to change things up. So with me, I have... Kirk. Ryan. From the It's Too Wordy podcast. And we're going to discuss how we feel about these episodes. Go into a little bit about history of the episodes. So enjoy, everybody. Attention, all true believers. Marvel Comics is on the air. Out of the pages of the world's greatest comic magazine come the adventures of the Fantastic Four. This week's epic, the first tale in this new radio series, is from the original book of Marvel called The Fantastic Four Meet the Mole Man, the beginnings of which we shall witness in just half a moment. It's mid-afternoon in New York City. Through the din of midday traffic is heard a strange explosion. A symbol takes shape in the city's sky, and a legend is born. Hey, look up there. What does that mean? Could it be an invasion? And high above the excitement and hubbub, one man holds the still smoldering flare gun. One individual who is somehow more than just a man. He is the leader of the Fantastic Four. This is the first time that I've had to use the signal, and I pray it will be the last. In another part of Manhattan, Susan Storm is having tea with a society friend when she hears... Sue, look out there. What? That symbol in the sky. What do you suppose it means? Oh, I'm sorry, Jackie. I have to go now. What? But we haven't even started our lunch. So it's happened at last. I must be true to my vow. There's no turning back. She's gone. But how? It's time for the world to meet the invisible girl. And at the same time, in a men's clothing store downtown... I'm sorry, sir, but we don't carry anything large enough to fit a man of your stature. Bah! Everywhere I go, it's the same story. I'm in a world too small. Say, look in the sky. That bright red symbol with the number four inside? Huh? What can it mean? Let me see that. Time has come. Out of my way! What? Why do they build doorways so narrow? Holy smokes, a master! Officer, do something! Hard! How can I shoot? I warned you! You see that? He'll get that manhole cover out of the ground with his bare hands. Take my special underground express route. There are so many tunnels under the city, and this is faster than subways. Quieter, too. Ah, this ought to be far enough. There's no opening above. I'll just have to make an opening. Master! came up out of the ground. It don't look human. We're being invaded by Martians. Call out the army. We're being invaded. Invaded? Well, before we make such a decision, let's observe another scene at Swanson's Garage. (laughs) We got her purring like a lamb, Johnny boy. Good. That's the way it should be. There's only one thing I like better than working on cars. What's that? Hey, look. What's that in the sky? That's my cue. Flame on. Hey, Johnny, what's happening to you? Remember me saying there's only one thing I like better than working on cars? Well, this is it. The 
figure which just seconds before had been Johnny Storm is now the Human Torch, flying through the skies like a flaming meteor. Red Dog Base to Squadron Leader, Scamble Alert. You are authorized to locate and bring down unidentifiable flaming object now flying over Manhattan. And within a few minutes, Johnny Storm is in a dogfight for his life. up much longer. My flame's gonna run out. Oh no, I'm falling. I'm not gonna make it. And then, just as the flying voice flame begins to flicker out altogether, two impossibly long arms stretch out and... Gotcha. The now flameless human torch is plucked from the air by the strange man who fired the flare which caused all the commotion. <sighs> Thanks, Reed. Oh, you're safe now, lad. Who is this man? In fact, who are all four of these astonishing humans? How did they become what they are? What mystic quirk of fate brought them all together to form the Fantastic Four? Well, you all came when I summoned you. Good. There's a task that awaits us. An awesome task. There's time for us to learn of the task awaiting these four, but first, let us uncover the origins of this colorful quartet. That requires a bit of Marvel magic as we travel back to a time and place before there was a Fantastic Four. Back to the office of Dr. Reed Richards in the Federal Space Exploration Complex where Dr. Richards is briefing his team. So, as you can see, we have a clear time window at 9.40 tonight and then not again for three years. If we're to be the first in space, we must leave tonight. What? You're not going tonight with me as pilot. You know we haven't done enough research into the effects of cosmic rays. Out in space, they could kill us all. Ben, we've got to take that chance. Unless you want the Reds to beat us to it. I I never thought you were a coward. Coward? Get that shit. I'll fly her no matter what happens. And so, led by a determined Dr. Reed Richards, the group speeds to the spaceport. Susan. Ben and I know what we're doing, but you and, and Johnny, you two don't... Don't say it, Reed. I've been working on this for too long. Where you go, I go. And I'm tagged along with Sis, so it's settled. No time to wait for clearance. Conditions are right, right now. I think this is a stupid thing you're doing, but I ain't no coward. And before the guards can stop them, the mighty ship which Reed Richards has spent years constructing is streaking for the heavens, climbing into space. Hey, this hurts. Feels like I have a ton of concrete on my chest. Caused by our fantastic rate of acceleration, Johnny. Right, but the ship is acting like a perfect baby. Yeah, but we still don't know about those cosmic rays. Higher and higher, like a silver bullet, the sleek spacecraft soars. Hear that? The rays are penetrating the ship. I warned you. My head is pounding like it's going to burst. The rays have affected my hands. I, I can't see Finn was right. We should have waited. We should have had heavier shielding. But sis, I feel like I'm burning up. My body is so hot. At that moment, the powerful rocket's autopilot takes over and the sleek ship returns to Earth in a rugged but non-fatal landing. 
leaving our quartet of cosmically charged champions deep in the jungles of South America. Oh. Reed, after all your work, we failed. I'm just grateful we're all alive. But we failed. Bah, what'd you expect? And we still don't know what effects the cosmic rays will have on us. Oh, Reed, I feel strange. Susan! Look at Susan! Sis, what's happening? You're, you're fading away. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Reed, Ben, Johnny. Somehow the cosmic rays have altered your DNA, making you invisible. Sis, I can't see you at all anymore. Tried to tell you to wait. How long will it last, Reed? That's got to be the question of the century. How long will it last? There's no way of knowing. What if she never gets visible again? Easy, Johnny. Susan, concentrate. Think about your physical form. Try to imagine yourself visible. I'll try, darling. Look, it's working. I can feel it. Oh, Susan, it is working. Oh, it's still so strange. Oh. oh, you were lucky. We might never have seen you again. Richard, you were crazy for proceeding with this experiment. How do you know she won't turn invisible again? Oh, Ben, I'm all right now. Oh, sure, you're okay now, but what about a minute ago? And what's going to happen to the rest of us, wise guys? Ben, I'm sick and tired of your insults and complaining. I didn't purposely... And I'm sick and tired of you, period, bub. In fact, I'm going to paste you one right in that slug face of yours. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Ben, wait, Ben. What's happening to him, sis? I don't know, Johnny. His skin is cracking. He's turning into orange rock. Wait, Ben. Don't try to talk yourself out of this one, Doc. I'm going to nail you. <laughs> All of you. It's those terrible cosmic rays. Look at me. They've gotten me, too. My body's beginning to blaze. And I'm lighter than air. I, I can fly. Oh, wow. I can really fly. Oh, Johnny. Johnny. It's okay, sis. I just feel a little warm, that's all. Minutes later, Johnny Storm's flame has subsided, and he returns to the others. Together, they watch a small brush fire which started burn itself out. And then they stand silently, each absorbed in his own startling thoughts. We've changed, all of us. We're more than just human. Listen to me, you too, Ben. Together we have more power than any humans have ever had. Why, we... You don't have to make no speech, Big Shot. We understand. We gotta use our power to help mankind, right? Right, Ben. I'm gonna call myself the Human Torch. I'm with you all the way. Count me in, too. I'm the Invisible Girl. I guess I ain't Ben Grimm no more. I'll be what Susan called me. The Thing. And I'll call myself Mr. Fantastic. And so was born the Fantastic Four. From that moment on, the world could never be the same. And now, knowing some pertinent history, let's return to the relative present. This is the first time Dr. Reed Richards has brought the fabulous foursome together since that fateful flight, and the task awaiting them is truly awesome. I brought you here to see some photographs I just received from Washington. Pictures. What are they, pinups? 
This one's an aerial shot of what used to be a nuclear power plant in the Soviet Union. What made that big hole in the earth? The same thing that made this hole in a power plant in Southern California. And this one in Australia? It's happening all over the world. Wait, according to the steady pulses on this seismograph, another one is about to go. And halfway around the world in French Africa. What is that sound, Andre? It feels like the ground is shaking under my feet. And that sound, it sounds like gnawing. An earthquake in the sand. How is that possible? The earth is going mad. Look, the entire installation is heading in. But the worst is yet to come for these unfortunate French legionnaires. Not only did their nuclear generator sink into the undulating earth, but... What is the name of... Oh, it is some kind of giant blood beast! Artillery! Friends artillery! But of what use is artillery against an enormous creature whose hide is tough enough to dig through countless tons of rock-hard earth? There is no artillery to stop a monster that can crush a modern tank with but one claw. But just as it seems, there is nothing can stop this merciless menace. Enough! Return to the core! And the Goliath stops in his tracks. For even a monster such as this heeds a master. A master known as the Mole Man. Back at the strategy meeting amongst the Fantastic Four... You see, it's happened again. But how? That's why I brought you together. Our mission is to find out. By studying the previous cave-ins, I've pinpointed a location that is exactly in the middle of all of them. This is where we've got to go to find the answer. What's the name of this place? Monster Island. Monster Island? That's just a fairy tale. There's no such real place called Monster Island. But hours later, in their private jet, the four see a strange mountain rising from the sea like an unearthly, grotesque face. There it is. That's horrible looking. Wow! Monster Island! Little dreaming of the adventure that awaits them, the Fantastic Four land and begin the long climb to the top of the forbidding peak. Wait, I hear something. It's coming from below. Look down there. Six eyes, coming out of that hole. A living three-headed nightmare hurls forth from the bowels of Monster Island. Quick, turn invisible, Sue. Seeing one of his intended victims vanish before his eyes, the monster halts in bewilderment. Just enough time for me to make a hoop out of my resilient arm. And, like a cowpoke roping a wild stallion, Mr. Fantastic lassoes one of the monstrosity's three heads and slings it far out to sea. I read about a giant three-headed creature that guards this place, but I never believed it. But before Mr. Fantastic and Johnny can catch their breaths... Look out! Cave in! Earth opens up and literally swallows Reed and Johnny. Hang on there, boy. Down, down, down they plummet, lost in the darkness until finally at the bottom of the pit. It's pitch black in here. What sort of place can this be? Say, Reed, over here. What is it? Feels like a door in the wall. It's moving. Why? Why do we try I can't see. It's so powerful that I'm flagging out. 
It could be minutes or hours later when the two regain consciousness only to find themselves garbed in strange heavy suits that protect them from the blinding unearthly glow. Oh, my head. That light actually overpowered us. How did we get into these clothes? It is about time you came around. Who are you? I, I can't see. Where are we? One thing at a time. The reason for your blindness is the glare from this valley of diamonds. Brighter than the sun. And as for me, I am the moon man. While Reed and Johnny are dazzled by the Valley of Diamonds, more action awaits Ben and Sue on the surface. I've got to find Reed and Johnny. Wait, what's that sound? Other ears and eyes sense the approaching menace. Look out behind you, Sue! Oh, the second gigantic guardian of Monster Isle is powerful beyond belief. But he is fighting a foe whose very body has been supercharged with cosmic energy. A foe that cannot be stopped. You've done it, Ben. You've beaten him. What'd you expect? I am the thing, ain't I? Oh, you saved my life. Never mind that. Let's go find your brother and that skinny boyfriend of yours. Oh, Ben, if you could only stop hating Reed for what happened to you. And what if Reed Richards and Johnny... Using that marvel magic again, let's descend to the depths of Monster Isle, where we find them confronted by the strange Mole Man. So you have never heard of me before. Well, soon the world will know my name, for soon the Mole Man will control the power of the Earth. How did you get here? It all started long ago. The people of the surface world mocked me. Me? Go out with you? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I know you're qualified, but I can't hurry. Uh, you did scare away all my business. Really? Was that a mask you're wearing? Finally. I could endure it no longer. I resolved to find a place of my own. The legendary world at the center of the world where I could be king. And then, when I had almost abandoned hope, this cavern, this cavern, this cavern, this cavern, soon I saw where it led to the land of my dreams. I found, I found, I found, I found. The sudden shock of my outcry in that new silent cavern caused a violent avalanche. When it was over, I had somehow survived, but I fell into the Valley of Diamonds and was permanently blinded. That was the last of my misfortunes. My luck has changed as I mastered the creatures down here. Made them do my bidding. With their talents, I carved an empire out of the Earth's core. <laughs> I conquered everything around me. I developed the ability to deal with the dark pattern of blindness. Yes, take this paw. Try to hit me with it. What do you mean? Try it. Take a swing at me. <laughs> Again. See? I have radar like a bat. I am able to evade whatever danger approaches me and return the attack in kind. Reed, you okay? He's not hurt. But see how easily I defeat anyone who dares defy me. 
But now, my signal, those creatures from the bowels of the earth shall destroy you, my witless intruders. We'll see about that thing, sis. Johnny. It is too late. The die is cast. Look out, Ben. Behind you. Hearing the Mole Man's signal, his largest and most deadly underground creature thunderously lifts itself into the room, its brainless rage directed at the ill-fated four. Flame on. Help is on the way. Things are going to get kind of warm around here. Back and forth like a flaming hornet, the human torch buzzes the gigantic creature who tries to grasp the frantically flying youth. The Mole Man is getting away. Not if I can help it. And I can. You haven't won yet. You can beat my entire menagerie of monsters. And then they come. Like pieces from an insane nightmare. Warring, running, snarling. The Mole Man's entire army of underground gargoyles. The unbelievable power of the torch flying between his fantastic allies and the pursuing hordes blazes a swath of melting earth. This will cause a landslide, stealing those creatures from us. You did it! And we're free, too! We better get out of here. This whole place is going to erupt. And moments later... What happened to the mole man? I left him there. He'll never bother anyone. Look, he's destroyed the entire island. It's the best way. There was no place for him in our world. I just hope we've seen the last of him. Whether we've seen the last of the Mole Man or not, one thing is certain. We'll see much more of the world's most incredible quartet in the weeks to come as we pursue the further adventures of the Fantastic Four. Be listening again on Monday when the Fantastic Four face the marvelous menace of the Miracle Man. Well, that was fun, right? Yeah. So, um, so what do you guys think about that episode? It gave me a feel. You had loaned me the Star Wars radio drama, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. A little bit. It was taken directly from the comic book, so there wasn't anything that was different from it. So I think the Star Wars came out in like 81, 82. Yep. So this is only like six years prior, and it's clean. It's not like the old OTR stuff that you have the buzz and you have yeah. like the... Because those are just somebody recording them as they were on, on air. So now we have these ones that we have actually have original copies of that we can just go back and, you know, re-listen to. It was kind of nice hearing Bill Murray pre-Saturday Night Live, too. He does a lot of voices in this. He does. Yeah, if you listen carefully, you can tell which ones he's doing. You know, with the, as far as, I thought the sound quality was really good, uh, but I did notice in a couple of points that when they did the sound effects, it went really loud yeah. over some of the characters, and the, you couldn't hear. You mean like when Ben Grimm changes into the thing? Or like, was that what it was? Was it when they changed, or was it like it's computers like or something? Every single time the thing changed from Ben yeah. to the thing and vice versa or whatever. Yeah. We could not hear his constant mumbling and complaining. No. <laughs> right. They did the sound effects over that, so it was it was kind of a challenge to hear. Mm-hmm. And some of the voice work. The lady that is in the shop with Ben Grimm when he's buying the overcoat, that voice, she, she shows up in a lot more episodes. Yes, yeah, she does. And, yeah. ugh, 
I can't stand that voice. If we want to do a little critique here, I had a real problem with how they made Sue Storm back in the early parts of this series. How she was the weak, helpless, uh, I'm going to go anywhere my man goes, I'm in it for the long haul. Which is good and all, because of the times. But if you look at what she was like then, and who they've made her into throughout the history of the book, I'm glad they they finally gave her the respect she deserved. Because she does have a better power than Mr. Fantastic. Because these programs are based off of the original books, which came out in the 60s. If you watched anything from the 60s, it was the woman stayed home in the kitchen, and golly gee, Beeve, what do you want to do today? You know, that kind of a thing. I can see where that was coming from a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do agree. I, li- I like how they've progressed the character in the comic books. I wish that the show went as long as it further in where you could see that development a little bit. Because at that time, these guys were essentially teenager-ish. Yeah, they were a little older, like little college early 20s, age. Teenagers, early 20s. The biggest problem I had with the radio show was the thing. I just can't. When I read the Fantastic Four, when I read those early issues, I was like, Okay, you know, he's just unhappy about the situation, but he didn't sound like sound like a big whining baby. Also, oh, he's Anakin. And in this He's a Skywalker. He's a Skywalker. It's Ben Skywalker. It's Ben Skywalker. And in this it, it it was a different perspective, a different take, which I can respect, but it just it seemed like he wanted to complain a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Nick? I've listened to these a lot. When I found them about 10 years ago, I just have them on my iPod, and I will listen to them all the time at work. So I'm coming from a, an, a... You guys have just listened to it. Yep. And it's mediocre. Yeah. I mean, it is them re- trying to get old-time radio back, you know, and it only lasted for 12 episodes. Uh, 13. 13. That's okay. Have you ever heard Sonya in here? <laughs> or Sophie? <laughs> it did what it did. I mean, it was fine for doing a Fantastic Four from the 60s. Yeah. What was cool about it that I really loved is Stanley doing the narration. I did like that a lot. It, yeah. It reminded me of... Uh, didn't he do some of the narration on some of the cartoons and stuff? Yeah, too? yes, he did. He like, did. Spider-Man, it, Amazing Friends, Spider-Man, and Incredible yeah. Hulk. Yep. When I remember watching those as a kid and hearing that voice, it brought me back to that with his narration. Yep. He was the face. He was the salesman. He was the he was the guy that he loved what he did. You You could hear it in his voice when he talked about these characters. They were like best friends or even family members to him. I liked it for what it is. Yeah. Does it get better as the, the episodes go or? We'll leave that up to you guys. Leave it up to me. Okay. Listen to it. It is almost exactly it's the comic word book. for word the first 13 issues of Fantastic Four. Honestly, when I listened to it, I was actually pleasantly surprised how much I did enjoy it. I, I Like I said, it reminded me of the Star Wars radio dramas and I got into Cloak and Dagger. I still have to finish the a few episodes that I'm behind, but. I'm enjoying that you did this old time radio homage. I'm, I, I guess it was the product of the time, the sound effects they had. Just some of the voices. If they would have got different voices for this, it probably would have gone longer. How about listening to this? It made me think of a movie. I just actually had to look it up. In 1994, there was a movie called Radioland Murders. Have you? Yep. Either of you? Yep. Yep. And it's a murder that takes place in a soundstage that's recording these old time radio shows. And I think that helped me enjoy this a lot more, if that makes sense, because they were doing the sound effects. Of, you saw the guy in the back with the big saw waving it to make a thunderstorm and, and the, stuff like that. What and if I'm they just, would do, like, 
they'd have like different uh, coconuts. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they and would... different kind of like gravels for like yep. when they're walking. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah, and hearing the radio program and picturing that. It's, it made it a lot more enjoyable for me, opposed to these sound effects suck. It's really sad that we don't have these radio shows anymore. You know, I, I think it would be cool to still have radio shows. I really wish it would come back, but there's no way. It's there's no back. way it's coming back in this. this yeah, radio is pretty much a dead this day. medium at this point. Yeah. No, what got me into these was back in the day I was at Universal Studios and we were taking a tour and we got to see the Foley room where this guy would, he'd have the, the screen going. And he'd do all the sound effects at a little table. And you could see him do it in the time. Like, he would make the footprints, and then he would, like, make the door close, and then he'd, like, do the thunder. And it was really cool. It's a lost art. And then, like, the shadow made a reemergence because Chrysler brought out the shadow car, and they used the shadow's voice to announce the car. And I was like, whoa, there's an old character named the shadow. And I was into comics, and I was like, holy crap, now i got to find these. So I went out and got a whole bunch of, like, cassettes and... And he got a shadow. I got. I did buy a shadow. My mom had a shadow too. I missed that car. It would go over everything. That thing was an awesome car. Then I got into the Green Hornet, Blue Beetle, Arch Obler, just little Orphan Annie and Ovaltine. Oh no, we're never touching Orphan Annie. <laughs> Amos and Andy. No. Oh jeez. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I, I know. I, I've listened to it. No. I've had I had like three boxes of cassettes for Amos and Andy, and I was just like, I just want to see how racist this can get. <laughs> so, <laughs> you listened through it all? <laughs> oh, I listened to all three boxes. Yeah. And I was like, jeez. Yeah, I've noticed um, that with the old Jack Benny stuff, too. I'm yep. Like, wow. That's, I don't remember it being that bad. There, there's some series that I really want to bring in, like The Falcon, which is a, he's a detective, and it's really cool. But I kind of want to get away from World War II for a little bit. That's why we're doing the Fantastic Four. And yeah. is there a Condor Man radio series? Oh no, but there is an, an a show called The Avenger. Yes, which he was also he was in the books with the Shadow. I was listening to The Avenger, and it is the Shadow. Yep, we can listen to some of those. I'm glad you changed the format. I, I think it needed like a review, like a discussion about it. It did, and I was feeling I was getting really lazy with it. Like I would just re-edit the opening, and then you just throw it up. Then I just throw it up, and it's your baby. It's been years since the beginning. Yeah. So. And I really didn't have to do much with it, so. Yep. I'm glad you brought us in. All right, guys. I'm, so I'm excited to do this. Tune in next week as we continue Fantastic Four. With issue number two. Issue two. Fantastic Four meet the Miracle Man. It's been Nick. Kirk. Ryan. See you guys next week. See ya. Bye.